Hey, real quick, one of the things I miss the most about not being able to meet with you is not being able to hug your neck and shake your hand. So do me a favor, just say hi on there for me, wave at me, give me one of those emoji waves, and so we can say hi. Also, if you have just recently um, joined the Victory family, maybe you've joined since the quarantine and haven't had the privilege to meet you in person, again, I just wanna encourage you to either comment or text to connect so that I can reach out and just say hi through Facebook or through an email. And again, just thank you for being a part of the Victory family. If you've been with us the past couple of weeks, we've kind of been following the life of Paul and kind of allowing Paul to teach us different things as we are learning how to live in the middle of a pandemic. Paul's taught us that we're called to chaos. And Paul just taught us last week about the paradox of praise. And what we're going to look at again today is in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. It'll be on the screen, of course. And according to chronological order and theologians, that as we left off last week with Paul in prison uh, or in a house arrest in Acts 28, theologians believe this is the first letter he wrote, and he wrote it under house arrest to his mentoree Timothy. So again, 1 Timothy, if you've got your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to start reading at verse 12. Here we go. It says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. So he says, I thank God who, who has given me strength, but also considered me trustworthy enough to give me a calling, to give me a calling over my life. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. In other words, listen up. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hey, do me a favor. Get ready to put the title of the message in the chat. You ready? Get, get your keyboard ready. Put it, put it, put, keep at it. Tell them, come on, tell somebody. Say the title of the sermon is keep at it. Keep at it. That's the title for today. Keep at it. Right now, share it with somebody. Come on, put that on your Facebook status. Keep at it. Uh, just a couple of months ago, Darla and I got the opportunity to go out of town with some friends of ours. And when we were out of town, we, we were kind of right in the middle of the, the quarantine kind of social distancing deal. Like everybody was real passionate about social distancing. And it was, they were kind of making it, uh, you know, it's just kind of new. It was kind of a new law, I guess you would say. And so we were out of town, and we were at this event, and, and Darla and I were, were kind of hugged up, you know, because we were on vacation, we didn't have any kids, so, so we were hugged up, and the security guard came over and said, and was reminding us of the social distancing, reminding us, hey, you know, six feet apart, and I just assumed that he was talking about us and the friends we were with, and so, you know, we just kind of evaluated, we figured we were, we were six feet apart, so we were just kind of like, okay, we get it, um, and then he kind of stepped back for a minute. And then we just continued what we were doing. And then he stepped back in again and said something again about being social distance. And then he made it a point to let me know that he was talking about me and Darla, that we needed to be six feet apart. And I thought, surely he's misunderstood the situation. And so I just said, well, hey, man, this, this is my wife. And he basically was like, I don't care. Like, you still need to be six feet apart. 
and, and I was real confused by that. And I don't, I don't get crazy passionate about a lot of things other than Jesus, except for when I don't understand something, right? It didn't make sense to me. And so I kept going back to him going like, but hold on, let me just get this straight. Like, like this is my wife, right? And yet I have to be six feet apart from her. And I was getting kind of mad, honestly. And, and so our friends came over and Darla came over and they were like starting to kind of pull me back a little bit, right? And they were like, you might end up in jail, right? On our vacation. And so I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. But I, it was just one of those moments for me where I realized that, that maybe I wasn't as far off as I thought I was, right? Like for a second, I was like, that was old Troy. Y'all ever had that moment, right? You ever, you ever had that moment where, where the old you came out? Have you ever had a moment where you realized maybe it's possible that I'm not doing as good as I thought I was doing? You know what I'm talking about? You ever had a spouse, right? You're like, you, you think you're just the best husband. You think you're the best wife. And all of a sudden, your spouse calls you in, and they sit down at the table, and they say, we need to have a meeting. And then they lay out the truth for you. And you, you can tell this has happened to me multiple times. Uh, and then you find out that you weren't doing as good as you thought you were as a husband, right? Uh, or, or maybe with your kids, you thought you were just acing it as a parent. And then your kid comes home, and this happens. Or you find out that that happened, and you go like, man, maybe, maybe I wasn't doing as good as I thought. I was, maybe you're a student, right? Or, or maybe you guys remember this when you were in school and you took a test and you sent the test in. You were like, I aced that test, right? Like I aced it. And then the teacher brings it back and it's a D minus. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't quite do as well as I thought. This, this is probably the most common one for me. You ever been like just kind of going about life for a couple weeks and you haven't really been keeping up with your budget? And in your mind, you start kind of thinking back through all the purchases that you've made and you go, Man, I'm doing, I think we're doing really good financially. Like, we haven't spent a lot of money. We haven't gone out to eat a lot. Like, you know, I think we're doing really good. And so you jump onto your bank account to check it out, and you think you should be about $250, $300 plus, and you find out that you're in overdraft, right? You know what I'm talking about? And like, all of a sudden, you realize you weren't doing as good as you thought you were doing. And I think there's this heavy feeling that comes over us when the circumstances around us lead us to believe that we haven't changed. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I thought, you know, I was tithing, and I thought I was starting to do really good financially, and then something happens, and now all of a sudden there's this heavy feeling that maybe, maybe I haven't changed. You know, our marriage was doing really good, and I thought we were doing good, I thought we were making progress, and, and then something happens, and it starts to make you believe that because of the circumstances around you that maybe, maybe you weren't doing as good as you thought you were doing. Now, now I actually think that this is more of something from the devil, I don't think this is a thought that God puts on us. Matter of fact, I think this is one of the things Paul is trying to teach us. And the more that we follow Paul's life and the more that we study Paul's life, Paul, I believe, is trying to let us know that this pressure or this heaviness that we feel because we think that we haven't changed, Paul's actually letting us know, no, you are making progress. But what God has for you is patience, right? So he goes on to be able to basically lay this out when he's writing to Timothy. He's telling Timothy, hey, listen, even if you think you aren't doing that well, I want you to understand you need to keep at it. Matter of fact, here, here's one of the things I think Paul is really trying to teach us, and that's this, that there is a difference between change and transition. There's a difference between changing and being in transition. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look what he says. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who's given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, 
I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Now watch this. In these sentences, Paul says this. Paul says, even though I was a blasphemer and a violent man, right? Even though I was this, and then he goes down a couple of verses and says, Christ came to save sinners, which I am the worst. Did you catch it? So I was this, and I am this. It, with that sentence, those few sentences right there, Paul literally separates change and transition. Paul says, I was change. I am still transition. See what I mean? So Paul's separating. For us, we immediately put it as change. But Paul, with just a couple of sentences, brings to attention probably the biggest struggle that you and I have on a daily basis, and here's the struggle. How do I walk out the fact that I am saved, redeemed, washed clean, a Bible-believing daughter, son of God, while balancing the fact that I'm still a sinner? How do I accept change when every day I'm still in transition? Right? Because salvation is change, but sanctification is transition. Change is immediate. Transition is a process. There's a difference between change and transition. I'll say this, and you may not agree with me, but just bear with me for a minute. I actually don't think people change. I think things change. I think people transition. So again, change is immediate. I think the transition leads to change, but I think it's things that change, and I think people transition. For example, if you're at a red light, and the red light's red, and then it goes to green, you will say the light what? Changed, because it was immediate, from red to green. If somebody, if your wife or goes to get their hair done, and they come home, they'll say, look, you know, my, my hair, I got my hair changed, because it's something different, right? It's an immediate change. You changed your hairdo. You changed your outfit. When last time I saw you, you were in this, and now you're in that. There's an immediate change. It's, that's change. But then Paul's talking about transition. I actually think this is why a lot of us struggle. For example, I've heard people say things like this. Um, I, I'm thinking about leaving my marriage because my husband won't change. Or, or I'm thinking about uh, doing something different at my house because my kids won't change. Or I'm thinking about getting a different job because the environment won't change. Or I, I'm thinking about uh, stopping believing for this or even praying for this because nothing has changed, right? Listen to me. I think man's biggest misconception, get this, because this was eye-opening for me. Man's biggest misconception is expecting immediate change instead of looking for signs of transition. Did you catch it? I think our biggest misconception, whether it's our marriage, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our job, whether it's with our finances, is that we are too busy looking for immediate change that we are ignoring signs of transition. I'll give you the best example of this. So probably about six years ago, uh, longer than that, but, but bear with me on the time frame. 
I was a youth pastor. I was eating my feelings. It was a tough season of my life. I was stressed, and I gained a significant amount of weight. And so there was this conversation that Darla and I had. Said, "Hey, we got to get some stuff straightened out, right? You know, like we got to got to get you know you got to figure something out." And so I said, "Okay." Um, and so I ended up talking to a friend of mine named Cody, and we started doing P90X together. You remember P90X? Because I thought it was smart for me to go from doing no workout to doing what the Navy SEALs do. You know what I mean? Because that makes sense, right? Like, I should just jump right in. Um, but what I loved about it is, is I went about two weeks or so doing P90X with Cody, and zero change had happened. I had not lost a pound. None of my clothes were fitting better. But anytime I talked to Darla, she was super excited about it. She was just raving about the fact that I was doing this. And here's why. Because she wasn't looking for immediate change. She was looking for a sign of transition. See what I mean? She wanted to know that I was on the pathway of change. She really, it would have been silly for her to expect me to all of a sudden, two weeks later, be 30 pounds lighter, right? right? I, mean, I could have fasted for 21 days and it still wouldn't have worked that way. So that would have been silly to all of a sudden want immediate change. But she looked for signs of transition. And I think for all of us, listen up, both on how we view other people and how we view ourselves. If we will give ourselves a break when it comes to looking for immediate change and instead back up a little bit and say, do I see signs of transition? When it comes to your spouse, do you see signs of transition? When it comes to your kids, when it comes to your job, when it comes to your finances, look, I know you're not out of debt, but guess what? You didn't buy Starbucks this week, okay? There's a sign of transition. I think that's where our stress comes. And I think if Paul could say anything to Timothy, Paul would say, hey, listen, don't be so focused on immediate change, but look for signs of positive transition towards change. Think about it. When Paul has this moment with God, when he is Saul and he's out persecuting Christians, and the Bible says they actually title it as Paul's conversion, so Paul has this, this, this immediate experience with God. And you do see some immediate changes. You know, all of a sudden he has scales on his eyes, change. All of a sudden he, he's, he's walking in a different direction, change. He's going to a different person's house, change. The Bible says that God will change his name from Saul to Paul, change. But this is interesting to me that when he writes this letter to Timothy, this is 30 years after his conversion experience with God right? So, so he's experienced God. Change has happened. But 30 years later, he's telling Timothy, I was a blasphemer and a violent man. Change. I experienced God. But I am still a sinner. Transition. 30 years. Some of us need to understand something, that you could be saved for 30 years. Some of you, you've been saved for 70 years, and you are still in transition, because God is still developing you and pruning you. Some of you that you're new to God. Some of you, you're, you're gonna decide to give your heart to Jesus today. Some of you, you gave your heart to Jesus last week and you're starting to wonder why you haven't changed yet. Listen to me. There was a change in your heart for God and in salvation, but there is a process of transition in your sanctification. Understand that. 30 years later, Paul says, I'm still in transition. When I was growing up in church, we would say it like this. He's still working on me. You remember that saying? Somebody would mess up and they'd be like, God, he's working on me. Like, he is. 
It's transition. And this is the reason why Jesus had to be grace and truth. Because truth is what causes the change. But you got to have grace in the transition. This is why he had to be truth and grace. Because every person that Jesus interacted with, the truth of Jesus caused them to want to change. But then he had to have grace for their transition, right? I actually like the way that Paul says it. If we, we'll go again to 1 Timothy, but I'm gonna look at it a different version. This is like the, the New Living Translation. So, so uh, put, put that next verse up for me, 1 Timothy chapter one, watch this. Uh, it's a different translation, but it says, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled, with me, filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, watch this, and everyone should accept it. Everyone should accept it. Everyone listen up. He, Paul says, hey, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And what you're about to hear, hear, take it into, accept this. Are you ready? Accept this. What is it? Here it is, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. Here's what I felt like Paul was saying. I know I'm about to offend you because I'm your pastor and God's still working on me. Isn't that powerful? Like, like, like almost like Paul saying like, hey, I know what I'm about to say could potentially offend you, but you need to understand something. That I, Paul, your pastor, the one who's preaching the word of God, the one who is this spiritual figurehead for you, am still in transition. In fact, when it comes to sinners, I am the worst of them all. I started, when I thought process through that, and I had this question, I thought it'd be fun to ask those of you that are with me. Um, have you ever been offended by someone's transition? ask you online. Have you, have you ever been offended by someone's transition? No, pastor. I, I, I got the gift of grace. And so I just give it to everybody. I'm not ever bothered by what they're going through. Now, I can prove to it. I, I can literally prove to you right now that there has been a moment in your life where you were offended by somebody's transition. All right, you ready? Here we go. Think about the last time you were driving in your car. You were in one lane. You, let's just say you were on the interstate. And there was somebody merging into the interstate where you are. And they put their blinker on. And you said you were going to be nice and let them over. You had one of those moments before? You know what I'm talking about? And so you stopped and you did one of those nice waves, like your hand didn't leave the steering wheel, but you were like waving them over. And then they don't come over the way you think they should. You know what I'm talking about? And you go from the nice Christian who's waving them over. Now you're cussing them out in your car. You know what I'm talking about? Now you're yelling at them. Now they can't hear a word you're saying, but you're like, come on, get over, move. What are you doing? What are you doing? Right? Like, like all of a sudden you went from yes, brother. Yes, sister. Come on over to you're the dumbest driver in the world. Right? It's just this ultimate. What happened? Why did you get so mad? Because they didn't transition the way you thought they should. They didn't transition the way you would have done it, right? So because they didn't transition the way you did, all of a sudden now there's this offense. And I think Paul's letting us know right off the bat, said, hey, be careful. Because if you don't understand the patience that God has, if you don't understand that we are all in a transition together, if you don't get this right, if you focus on immediate change instead of transition, then you will find yourself in a place where you become offended by someone else's transition. 
And here's the thing I've been asking myself this week. I want you to ask yourself this. Has my impatience for change ever caused me to rush someone's transition? Has my impatience for change ever caused me to rush somebody in their transition? I love that Paul, not only was he full of grace, but he was full of patience, right? Like I need to be able to give patience because someone's in their transition. And Paul doesn't treat it like, hey, I'm this and you're that. Paul lowers himself and says, I'm the worst of them all. So Jesus says you gotta have truth for change, but you gotta have grace for the transition. And the more I was studying that, the more I was reading that, then all of a sudden it started to click to me. The test, the actual test that we go through is in the transition. The test is in the transition. Let me show you what I mean, all right? We're gonna go to Acts chapter 14. Same Paul that we were talking about in 1 Timothy, same Paul we were talking about in Acts 28 the past couple of weeks, same Paul is now fixing to be used by God to heal a man, okay? Acts chapter 14, it's on the screen if you don't have your Bibles, verses eight through 10. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame, so this man cannot walk. He had been that way from birth and he had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and he began to walk. Watch this. Paul's going to church or, or wherever it is, going to, wherever he's going. And he, he walks past this guy who's been lame since birth, has never walked before. And the Bible says that Paul calls out to him, get up. And the man gets up change. See it? Get up. It says he stood up. Change. Immediate change. And then it says he began to walk. Transition. Change is he's up. Transition is he's learning how to walk. Here's what this is teaching me, is that God, is, God will call you to do something that you don't even know you can do. He didn't know he could stand up. Paul called, get up. And he just got it. He didn't know he could do it. God's going to call you. Listen to me. God's going to call you to do something right now that you don't even know you can do. That's his calling on your life. It's not supposed to be something that you know you're completely prepared for. God's calling you in the transition. The change is salvation. The transition is sanctification. But I got something better. Because this is, this is the word I needed this week. Here's, here, listen, get, get close, get real close to the screen. If you got a phone, put it up real close, real close. Listen to me, listen to me. God will not wait for you to change to give you his calling. He doesn't wait to call you until you're fully changed. God will call you in your transition. All right, so I got to explain a little bit. I got to be able to take you to a moment. So let me, let me tell you what I mean by this. Okay. So uh, Darla and I, I, I get saved, at, uh, I think it's 17, 18 years old. Um, I, I immediately say, hey, I, I want to serve God. I want to I do everything I can in the church. And it's probably, what, three years maybe before we end up having kind of our first responsibility at the church. And our first responsibility together was kids ministry. And so at the time, I was responsible for communicating and, and leading a service for fifth and sixth graders, okay? That's all it was. Everybody else was in a different building. And so me and Darla, we led. 
we had the fifth and sixth graders, and um, I knew very little about the Bible. Let's put it that way. Like if I was getting ready to preach, I would read that story I was going to preach on right before I wrote that sermon. You know what I'm talking about? Like I didn't have all this history. The only sermon I knew was what, or only message I knew, Bible I knew was what my pastor was preaching. And so if I needed, if I had to preach something to kids, I would go get my Bible and be like, well, let me, let me catch up on Moses real quick. Oh, Moses did this. Now I'll go preach about Moses. I mean, they were fifth and sixth graders, right? You know I mean? I was like, I got this. So check this out. One day I'm preaching. I'm talking about Moses and Pharaoh. I didn't understand that Pharaoh was more of a title, like president. I thought it was his name. I thought his name was Pharaoh. And so I'm a preaching to these fifth and sixth graders, and I'm preaching it like this is guy's name, like Mr. Pharaoh, or what? I'm just, I'm just laying it out for him, like I'm just this Bible scholar. Like, you know, here it is, kids, take the biblical knowledge and go and change your life. Well, there was this one kid there, and I'm not gonna say his name because there's a chance somebody knows him who's watching this now and would tell him this, but he was in something called JBQ. Okay, for those of you that haven't been in church, especially Assembly of God Church all your life, uh, JBQ stood for Junior Bible Quiz. And basically what that was was Jeopardy for Christians, okay? And so you would have to read the Bible, and then you would go and you had this little buzzer, and they'd ask you a Bible question, you know, and it'd be some, it's not, not, not an easy question, like who died for your sins? Beep, Jesus. I mean, it was like, it was, a, it was hard questions. And so they had to study through the Bible, and they knew all this Bible knowledge, all right? That kid was in my church service. So I'm sitting there and I'm preaching, Moses and Pharaoh, and this kid stood right up in the middle of my sermon, like just stood up, said, Mr. Troy, I mean, what do you do at that point, right? You can't, you can't like chastise this kid as you're preaching the gospel, you know what I mean? So you just have to kind of go like, yes, young man, I don't want to say his name, and he brings it to my attention in front of everybody that Pharaoh was not his name, it was his title, his position. What, what, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, like, how do you react when the person you're preaching to not only interrupts you in the middle of your sermon, and you know, I, I kind of go off memory, so like interrupting me is a big deal, but not only interrupts you, but sets you straight. You know what I'm talking about? Like flat out proves to everybody in the room that he should be teaching the fifth and sixth grade class, not you. And I, I was thinking about that this week as I was working on this message and I'm going through Paul and I'm looking at this. And here's what I felt the Spirit of God tell me. Your theology might not have been right, but you were willing to teach in your transition. See what I mean? Like maybe my theology wasn't great. Maybe I could have read the Bible a little bit more, but I wasn't, hes- I wasn't hesitant to walk in the power of God while I was still in transition. And I think this is what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, I was this. Listen, 30 years later, he's not still persecuting Christians. He changed in that arena, but God was still working on him. And I came to tell you something this morning, that God, yes, change happens when you accept Christ and salvation, but sanctification will happen for the rest of your life. God will always be working on you, but what you need is for God to give you permission right now to teach in your transition. Teach in your transition. Listen, you need somebody that can tolerate your transition. I want to say publicly right now, because I know some of you are going to watch. I want to, I want to talk for a second to Ron and Tammy Kennemore. I want to talk to you for a second. Because you tolerated me in my transition. Because no matter how many dumb things I did, you didn't push me to the side. You just always came, put an arm around me like a mom and dad. And you loved me in that transition. 
Listen to me. Jason and Raina Byers, Ron and Kelly Woods, Shane, Stacy, uh, Esther, Tim Arthur, Don Hardy, Sharon Hurley, Matt and Shannon Anzavino. Listen, I could keep on talking. All of you that tolerated me in my transition, it was because of that that allows me to be here. And listen, like Paul, I'm telling you right now, guess what? I'm still worst of all when it comes to sinners. But I refuse to not teach while I'm in the transition. I want God to use me no matter where I am and no matter what I'm experiencing. And I just feel, I feel on charge this morning to tell some of you that I haven't been able to look at the eye for five, six months. I know you're in transition and I'm here to tolerate it so that you can teach in it, so that God can use you because you can stand up and say, I was this, but I am still this, but I am anointed and I am appointed and I'm being used by God and my family and my friends and lost people and broken marriages will be healed because I was willing to teach in my transition. You will not cause me to be quiet, devil, because I'm not perfect. I don't need immediate change. I just need signs of God moving me towards it. I was with a friend of mine over the weekend. We were talking about his past and struggles with drugs and he made a comment to me about feeling insecure ministering to people about drugs because of his past. And I just felt the Holy Spirit come all over me in that moment just thinking, I didn't say anything to him about it, but I'm just thinking right now, man, God's gonna use you in the transition. You will minister to more people while you're in the transition than you ever will once you've changed. I gotta show you this. Okay, so Acts 14, Paul starts talking to the guy. He heals him. He says, get up. And the Bible says he begins to walk. When you take that phrase and you go all the way back to the original translation of that phrase, the word that they took and translated into begin to walk, the word actually meant Rome, R-O-A-M. The reason it meant Rome is because Rome is defined as wandering around without anywhere to go, no direction. So, so, so why would that word be there? Paul says, get up! And then if you're reading it in the original translation, it would say this, Paul says, get up! Calls him, calls him, calls him. Get up! Says he stands up and then he begins to roam. Why would he begin to roam? Remember what the Bible said? He had been lame since birth and he had never walked before. So when Paul said get up, he got up. He could walk, but he didn't know how. Listen, when you accept Christ, you're saved, but we still have to learn how to be a Christian. See what I'm talking about? Could you imagine the frustration of being with that guy? You being able to walk and you're waiting on him? He's falling all over the place, you know what I mean? Like he's like running into things, bouncing off things. You're like, Ted, come on, Ted. Like get it, get it together. Look, look, let me make it real applicable for you. If you have a kid and you've ever been on a mission to go somewhere and you're walking and your kid is walking with you, and you know what it's like to have adult pace and kid pace. You know what I'm talking about? 
Like you're like 10 steps ahead of them and you'll stop every once in a while and go, would you come on? And they're, you know, they're just kind of like, because they normally have a phone in their hands. And they're just kind of running over. It's like, would you come on? I'm just imagining the frustration in this scene because all of his buddies are with them now. He's healed, right? He's healed. Hallelujah. My friends are healed. Let's go. And then everybody that's been able to walk since the day they were born expected him to change immediately. They expect him to be able to walk immediately. And he has been changed, but he's still in transition. You've been saved, but you're still in sanctification. And what I have to make sure is that I don't rush you in your transition. The Bible said God had patience patience because he understands that now he can walk but he's never walked before so although he can do it he doesn't know how Jeff although you can be free you're still learning how I think that's a moment we have to embrace and if we're not careful will get offended by somebody's transition. And we'll leave them. Why, they're still learning how to walk. Father, I pray right now, you are Holy Spirit. so heavy in this place right now and I know it I've known it since the moment we walked in this morning something was going to happen today for every person that's going to watch every person that's going to listen you have been set free you've been saved you've got a calling on your life God called you the same way Paul called him. But just because you can walk doesn't mean yet you quite know how. And this week, clear as day, I felt the presence of God tell me that when it comes to my calling, when it comes to what God has called me to do, my calling, my mission, my ministry, my purpose is to come along those who have been saved but are still learning how to walk and to grab their arm, to encourage, to guide, to say, you can do this, let's go. You got this. To be able to be exactly what Paul was saying to every person that is moving towards change, but you're still in transition. My purpose for today is to tell you to keep at it. Keep at it. 
Maybe it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Keep at it. I want to read some words from the Apostle Paul. To me, it's the exclamation point to this message. We're going to find it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to read it, and as I read it, I want to break it down to you a little bit, and then I want to pray for you. Listen, the Holy Spirit's telling you right now, somebody needs to hear this message. You need to share it. You need to send it. You need to tag their name. Somebody's got church hurt because they went in a place, and even though they had been called to walk, they didn't know how to. And there wasn't grace for their transition. They need to hear this. That even the Apostle Paul, who wrote one-third of the New Testament, says, I was this, but I am still dealing with this. It's a transition. And here's what I think is so unique about the way God's going to work in your life, is you will eventually get to change in that area. Don't worry, it's going to come. But as soon as you get change in that area, the Holy Spirit reveals to you a new transition for a different area. Because God is always working. The statement, he's just working on me, he's still working on me, will be our statement until the day that we go to be with him in heaven. I'm so glad that I'm not who I was at 18. And I know I started this whole message by telling you a story where I said, oh, old Troy. It's not old Troy. It's not old Troy. But God is still working on me. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Paul says, get the word out. Get it out. Get it. Get it out. Teach all these things. And don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Don't let anyone put you down because you stumble. They once stumbled. Just keep at it. Keep walking. Teach believers with your life by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, and by integrity. I love that Paul doesn't release us of responsibility. You can have grace in your transition, but hey, work towards change. Change your words, your demeanor, the way you love, your faith, your integrity. Stay at your post, and then he tells us how. Reading scripture, giving counsel, teaching, teach in your transition. And watch this, and that special gift of ministry that you were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed, hey, keep that dusted off and in use. Listen, I know some of you, it's been six months since you served in a church. Keep that ministry dusted off. Start sharing this message now. Start ministering to your neighbors and your coworkers. Keep that gift dusted off. Well, I, you know, I hadn't really read the Bible in six months. Keep at it. Keep at it. God will use you in your transition. Paul goes on to say, cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them. The people will all see, this is so powerful, the people will all see you mature right before their eyes. In other words, they'll begin to see you go from stumbling to walking to eventually running. 
maturity right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. And then watch this. This, this next verse is what literally caused me to write this entire sermon. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. Even if you fall, even if you mess up, just keep at it. Why? Because both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. You and those who hear you. All because you keep moving, you keep believing, you keep teaching, you keep striving, you keep at it in your transition. Father, we thank you right now for a word that could not be more clear than this word right here. That the day that I accept you as my personal savior, there's immediate change. I'm saved. But then the real process with you begins. And I start sanctification. I start transition. I start learning how to walk. Thank you, God, for your sacrifice because I can walk. I can stand. Get up. But Father, I need your church, and I need your people, and I need your word, and I need your prayers, and I need your Holy Spirit, and I need worship to help me learn how to walk. So I pray for every person that's listening to this message. Father, you have given them the gift of salvation, and they have changed. If they're listening and they're not saved, I pray they'd make that commitment today. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. They'd say, Jesus, you're my savior. Come into my life, come into my heart, cleanse me. That Lord, that calling on their life to get up could happen. But then Father, we have to learn how to walk together. One thing the enemy's done so good recently is divide your people. Father, we have to learn how to walk together can't push people aside because they mess up and we can't run off and leave them because we've mastered walking while they're still learning how to crawl but the father we would go back and we would carry them now because I'm gonna need them to carry me later so father just right now the way that only you can do just give them that message to keep at it. Just keep at it. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep telling people about Jesus. Keep pursuing him. Keep going to church. Keep serving in your church. Keep trying to tell people what you read in your Bible. Keep trying to write a sermon. Keep trying to teach a small group. Keep trying. Keep trying. Just keep at it and if we will keep at it both ourselves and those who hear us will experience salvation father we love you we thank you in jesus name we pray everybody said